Great. So let's dig into the word. Let's go to Mark 10 verse 46. So I'm going to talk about a blind man's faith. So we'll call it the blind faith sermon. It's Bartimaeus. Who of you have heard of a guy called Bartimaeus? Okay, so we're going to read through the passage and then I'm going to highlight a few things for you. And then afterwards we're going to continue into ministry and worship. And they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, this is now Jesus, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him, call the blind man. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked that question to you. It's an amazing question. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So in a way, all of us have a Bartimaeus in us. All of us have a blind spot. Those of you who are married, you know that if you ask your wife, Hey, lovey, tell me my blind spots. There would probably, a list would probably come out. I remember the first time when I asked my wife that, we were still dating and in varsity, I asked in an email, Hey, um, so we did this relationship seminar and they said, Hey, you know, you should not always talk about the things that you're good at, but also the things where you're weak at, your weak spot, your blind spots. I said, Hey, uh, Cornell, maybe just send me my blind spots. And I didn't expect it, but there was an email with a lot of bullet points. So there's, there's a blind spot. And for me, that represents the Bartimaeus in me. Because many times we can read through these passages and we go like, I'm not blind. I'm not a beggar. How does this relate to me? But all of us can relate to, to Bartimaeus because all of us have a blind spot. And maybe even... Just in a, in a physical sense, you have a blind spot. You are physically impaired by illness or a sickness or a disease. That's what we're going to do this month. We're going to pray for people with illnesses and sicknesses. And this morning, a couple of people got healed because we prayed for them. And we're going to trust that that still happens. And a lot of us have had this experience or probably going through this experience where you're sitting on the roadside and you're watching the people following Jesus. You're watching maybe in a service like this. You're like, wow, that guy has an encounter with God. Wow, that guy has everything sorted out. Wow, that guy, there's amazing things happening to him. The presence of God is on his life. And you're like Bartimaeus and you're sitting and you don't know how to get hold of the attention of Jesus Christ. So I want to give a few pointers. We're going to go through the, the piece again. And I want to give you a few pointers on how to get hold of the attention of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you would say, yes, Amor, but Jesus always, he's always focused on me. That is absolutely the truth. But a lot of you are sitting here, and a lot of, sometimes I'm, I'm the same. 
I experience God in, in a way, but I, I don't feel that He pays attention to my prayers, for instance. I don't feel that He's paying attention to me just digging deeper into the Spirit. I feel that He is at a distance from me. And even as the pastor, I must admit, sometimes I feel like this. But I think in this story, there are a few keys, and if we can take hold of them, we can get to the place where Bartimaeus went from a beggar, a blind beggar, to a, a guy that can see, has full eyesight, and following Jesus in a moment. Have you thought of this, reading through it? So he's sitting in the street. He's probably sitting with a bunch of other beggars. He doesn't have anything at all. And there comes Jesus. He meets Jesus, and he walks away with eyesight following Jesus, the King of Kings, within the presence of the Lord of Lords. That is an amazing transformation right there. Similar thing happened to, to Saul. Saul turned Paul in a moment. And we're going to trust that, that can happen today. Amen. So the first thing that I, I just want to look at is that, that he's sitting outside Jericho. So if you think of the city Jericho, what do you think of? You think of Joshua. You think of the Israelites going into the promised land. So for me, it's, it's in a way, the, the, the Bible, the writer here, Mark, he, he knows exactly the picture that he's painted. He knows exactly what is happening. There's a guy outside of the promised land, and he's waiting for something to happen. He's waiting for something to happen, and then suddenly that something happens to him. Because Jesus, the new Joshua, is walking past on the outside of Jericho. And then it says that he sees Jesus, and he knows who this man is. He realizes it's Jesus of Nazareth. And there's a key. He realizes it's Jesus of Nazareth. Because he's probably heard from his friends, the other beggar that was blind, that got healed by this man. And because of that, he starts screaming. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then as he screams, people come around to him and say, hey, don't do that. Don't scream at the King of Kings. Don't scream at the Messiah like that. And what does he do? He just screams louder. He says, Jesus, son of David. So in his, in his screaming, he's declaring that he knows who this is. This is the Messiah, the one that will save me. He knows it's Jesus. He knows he can heal him, but he also knows this is the Messiah. And he screams, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stops. The power of a blind beggar screaming at Jesus, and Jesus stops. Some of you think you're worthless. You, you don't know what to do. You don't have any say in this life. And you can follow the same principles that Bartimaeus followed. You can get Jesus' attention, because that's what we want to We want to be with Jesus. So he's worshiping Jesus, and then Jesus calls him, and he jumps up, takes his cloak, leaves his cloak, and runs to Jesus, and Jesus asks him, hey, what can I do for you? So, <laughs> so it'd be a, a funny situation. Have you ever 
looked into the eyes of a blind man. The eyes are dead. There's, there's nothing. I remember when I was 12 years old, I was a wrestler. You, some of you won't believe that. But the skinnier you are, the better you actually are. Because then you can, in, I was under 37 when I was 12 years old, I think. Under 37 kgs. And um, I had to wrestle a blind guy. So there was a school that for the blind in Worcester, and I had to wrestle the blind guy. I actually lost against the blind guy. Very, very embarrassing. But I remember looking into his eyes. He actually didn't have eyes. And I was like, this is, I can see that he doesn't have eyes. So Jesus probably looking at Bartimaeus, and he knew that he, he, cannot, he cannot see. He knew it. If God's asking a question, he's not... He doesn't want information from you. He wants something of your heart. And then Bartimaeus says, God, I want to see. Jesus, I want to see. And just like that, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And he follows Jesus, and then he becomes a follower of Jesus, and he can see. So here are four keys. I'm just going to run through it because we're going to go into ministry and also worship Four keys for me that will help you get the attention of Jesus that's already on you. And maybe just as an introduction to the four keys, here's what I would love for all of us to do is often our experience says this, but the truth is actually over here. And the truth we can find in the Word of God. So your experience says Jesus doesn't care about you. The truth says, or, the, or your experience says, Jesus doesn't heal. Your experience says, Jesus will never deliver you. The, the experience says, it's always difficult in relationships for me. But God says this, and the truth. So God, he wants, to, he wants to shift you from just making your experience king to make the truth king, which is ultimately, if you seek truth, you will find Jesus. So if you're in church, if you're in another church, if you're in this church, you would have to be humble enough to admit that sometimes you are just wrong. <laughs> and your experience is lying to you. Somebody said, if I had a friend who lied so much to me, like my emotions are lying to me, I would have never, a long time ago, left that friend. Maybe some of you need to go like, hey, I'm just going to leave my this friend emotions. I'm going to go back to what is, what is the Bible saying. Not that emotions aren't important. Emotions are very important. If I tell my wife, yes, I just love you from my mind. I'm going to lose my wife. So emotions are important, but, but even under the lordship of Jesus. And we're going to look at actually just how Bartimaeus expressed his emotions. So the first thing that he did is he knew who Jesus was. Simple. He knew who Jesus was. Same question that Luke does. He knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus can heal blind people. Some of you don't know that. He knew that Jesus can touch him and he will be healed in an instant. Some of us, we don't know that. We've heard that Jesus can do it. We've heard that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that himself, he was raised from the dead, and that same spirit's in us. But we don't know it from the heart. 
But he knew it. So you need to fight for this, for the knowing, the intimate knowing that Jesus is a healer, that Jesus wants everything to do with you. He loves you. He pays attention to you. You need to fight for that. That's the first key. If you, if you just get that first key, that is fine. You'll be ready to go. The second one that I see in this piece is he activated his faith, and he did it by shouting, even though he received resistance. Sometimes you just need to go into your room, lock the doors, and start shouting. I don't like the term actually, which it says quiet time. And I, I appreciate spending time with God, going to the beach here, beautiful and, and George, and just spending time resting in His presence. But sometimes I know that I need to take hold of my promised land. I need to take hold of the Jesus that's passing by. And then I go like, Jesus, you need to help now. And that's why I love it when there's expressions of faith. Just these bolts of faith coming out during worship where people's like, hey, I take that for me. Wow, I take that. This is mine. This is who Jesus, what Jesus promised for me. And he was, he was screaming at the top of his lungs, this blind man, top of his lungs. And then people said, no, stop. And you will get that. If you activate your faith, you're gonna, some of you are going to get connected to Jesus tonight. Tomorrow you're going to walk into your workplace, into your school, into maybe a relationship, and you're going to get some resistance. They're going to not like what they... And now God says, is your, your faith only activated on a Sunday, or is it activated through the whole week? And you go with it. You say... Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In your staff meeting tomorrow morning, you're like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And your boss is like, hey, what are you doing? Sorry, sorry. You just go for it. So sometimes shouting is a good thing, but there's other ways also to activate your faith. But you, you need to work from, hey, I see Jesus, I know who he is, to where you activate your faith. There's a practical application for faith and sometimes we've only made, made it an intellectual exercise. Hey, I believe in Jesus. But there's a practical application, even during worship. You can, just sometimes raising your hand will break a stronghold over your life. Sometimes just going to a friend and say, hey, please pray for me. It will break a stronghold over your life. Third one is he grabbed the opportunity with both hands. So this blind man, beggar, sitting on, on the ground, he jumps up. When he was called, he jumps up. He knows. It is his opportunity. Some of you are going to get opportunities to follow Jesus in a more fervent way or to spend time with people or to go maybe to a conference or to slot into a small group or to get into a Bible school or to wake up earlier. You're going to have that opportunity and you need to grab it with both hands. You say, hey, I'm going to grab this promised land because this is mine. This Jesus that is passing through, he is the one that will actually heal me. And then the last one, his request was very specific. So he's not, 
He's not saying, God, maybe if you want to, if you are that God that, that I met in Sunday school, maybe, yes, Jesus, please bless me. No. He's saying, God, I have a specific request. And I, and I know it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I have the fear of God. I'm standing here on holy ground. And I know you're paying attention to me. And this is, I can just go with this. This is fine for now. This is really fine. But then, because he's a father, he's, he's wanting you to be very specific. Hey, Amo, what do you want me to do for you? So all of this has led up to this point where Jesus asked this question to Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, heal me of my blindness. So let me put it to you in this, in this way. If my daughter that's seven years old comes to me and she has a request for a marshmallow with astros in it. Sounds delicious, huh? If she has a request for a marshmallow with astros in it, for the first time I'm going to go, wow, that's very creative, love you, okay, no, only years of marshmallow ago. The second time she comes around, she asks the same question, I'm going to go like, okay, there's something, where did you get this idea of marshmallows with astros? The third time I'm going to go like, maybe she really wants this. The fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, I'm, I'm realizing, wow, here is a very specific request. And my father's heart says, I don't, it's not, I want to only give it to her because she wants it. I want to give it to her because this is my expression of love towards her. And many times we don't understand that of the father. We don't understand that he is the same. He has that father's heart. He's, he's not asking you, hey, ask me to bless you, that kind of He's asking, hey, share your heart with me. Then I will go on to, I will go on to Google, I will go into Alibaba, I will go into eBay, and I will search for marshmallows with astros. If I can't find it, I will get, go to Tani Isi. She's, she's a lady in our, in our church's mom. She makes everything. She can do everything. I'll go to her. Please, marshmallows with astros, because that's the Father's heart. So in a way, this is also, it's, it's progression into the presence of God. So the first thing is we know who Jesus is. The second step is we, we start activating our faith by saying, Hey, Jesus, Son of God, through worship, Son of David, have mercy on you. are the Messiah. You are the one that healing. We are bestowing glory unto God. And then we realize, wow, He is in the room. I'm going to take this opportunity what should I do? Oh, Jesus, I'm going to run to you. Hey, there's somebody calling an altar call in front. Okay, I'm going to run. Wow, there's something happening there. I need to get into that small group. And then you, you're there, and then Jesus asks that question. What do you want from me? You know, like, well, am, I, am I worthy enough for you to ask that question? I think probably Bartimaeus probably asked that and the inside of him, but he knew that he wanted to be not blind anymore. And then it happens. His faith is not only activated, but his faith brings about the promise. 
He's not blind anymore. He can see. So I just, I want to call Anelma forward. Where's Anelma? Okay, Anelma's here. She's going to share a testimony because Anelma, is, for me, has exemplified this thing of being the Bartimaeus and just going for it. Uh, good evening. Um, yeah, so I came to Shofar for the first time about a year and a half ago. And um, I was basically the walking dead when I arrived here for the first time. I remember sitting in the church and trying to think of one reason to keep on living. And the only reason I could come up with because someone had to take care of my dog. Um, yeah, and I'd gone through a lot of pain in my life, and by the time I ended up here, I'd basically gone numb. The pain was just too much. I didn't want to feel anything anymore. This hole that was inside of me, I started filling with anything that I could think of, with relationships, with alcohol. I st took drugs at one time. Um, basically, anything destructive, just, just to try to feel better, just to try to feel alive. And obviously none of this helped at all. And I actually gave up on calling out to God. I grew up in, in the Dutch Reformed Church, but at some point I just completely gave up on calling out to God. I just thought, I'm invisible, and I'm rejected, and I'm abandoned, and there's no point in it. And someone actually invited me out of a bar to come to Shofar one evening. And, um, yeah, the, the change that happened in my life from that day. I met Amu. Um, Amu prayed for me the one day, and I was delivered from, from some very serious um, generational sins and generational curses. For the first time in my life, I was able to experience true joy. For the first time in my life, I felt that I had a reason to be alive. For the first time in my life, I felt loved. And this love wasn't anything that I was ever going to experience from a person. This love was you know, unexplainable. <laughs> and whenever the thoughts came up that you, you are rejected, God started telling me, you are accepted and beloved. When the thoughts came up, you are abandoned. God said to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When fear came up, God said to me, there is no fear in my perfect love. When I felt tired, when I didn't want to go on anymore, God said, you can do anything through me who strengthens you. And I learned that God so loved me that even when I stopped calling out for him, he came for me, he sent for me. And he pulled me out of that darkness. He pulled me out of that hole. And he started a true intimate relationship with me. Something that I had never known before. You know, and I just, my, my prayer for every person in here tonight is that you will truly know the Father's love for you. And that, that he will reveal it to your heart. It won't be something that you hear. It won't be something that you read. It will be a true revelation to your heart. Yeah, and thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wow.
Amazing. In a year, it's a little bit more than a year and a half, so Jesus touched her. It's, it's, not, it's not this church, it's not me, it, it is Jesus. And you can, you can speak to Anelma, she's a different person. The day that I met her and then Anelma now is different. So we also just honor you for what you're allowing God to do in your life. And she's definitely a Bartimaeus, if you know. <laughs> she, she's going for it in everything. So I want us all to stand. And the band, if you can come up.